Good morning, Digital Cathedral family, and Happy New Year. Can you believe it's 2023 already? Seems like it was just yesterday we were all quibbling over and wondering what uh, 2YK was going to bring us. Remember that? At the turn of the century, all the computers were supposed to shut down and everything was supposed to be a total disaster and total mess and people were buying. It seems like that was just yesterday. It was 23 years ago that we were facing that so-called perceived, even by some well-known prophets in the church, uh, absolute doom in society, and nothing, nothing changed at all. Anyway, Happy New Year. I am excited about this new year. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to everything that it's going to bring. I'm looking forward to the journey that you and I are going to make in the next 12 months. I have some, some pretty good idea where we're going to be tracking into things that we're teaching. Uh, I'm not going to lay that out for you this morning, but we're going to be getting into some really exciting things starting uh, in just a couple of weeks. I want to do a series that I'm calling Eradicating Death, Eradicating Death. It's probably going to take me four or five, six weeks to unwind this thing, but we're coming. The things that I'm going to be doing this year, I feel like we're coming into as manifesting sons and manifesting daughters of the kingdom. So we're going to take things to a level, to a place that might be a little uncomfortable, just as grace was uncomfortable 15, 20 years ago when you came into that message and finished work of the cross. That was all uncomfortable, but we learned to stretch and we learned to change. The first change is the toughest change. After you adapt to change and you don't fear change anymore, then change is not difficult. Uh, I want to start this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, and I'm going to talk about something from a from a perspective that maybe you haven't thought about, but I think it's a good way to start the new year. Can we do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 says this. Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds, that was where the whole deception took place was in the minds. They believed a lie. Rather than denying the lie, they believed the lie. They were deceived in their minds by the craftiness of the serpent. He said, I'm, 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 I'm somehow I'm perplexed and I don't want you to be corrupted. The last part of the verse says, from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now let me read that verse without any Keith Lee commentary in there. He, Paul said, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I think sometimes when I read that verse this week, I was pondering on it a little bit, and I was thinking about uh, all the times that we've made being a Christ follower, uh, a Jesus freak, living the Christ is us life, we have made it way more difficult, more technical, more sacrificial than I think Jesus ever intended for it to be. So Paul called it the simplicity that is in Christ. I, as much as any of you that are watching this morning at the Digital Cathedral, I, I enjoy unraveling mysteries. I love searching the depths and the riches of what we have in Christ Jesus. But I don't want us to ever forget that this is a very simplistic message of the simplicity that is in Christ. If you've been a Christian very long, if you spent any uh, time in church, <clears throat> which many of you have like I have, I spent you know years and years, you've come through a couple of stages in your development that were stressful, very works-oriented, uh, times you didn't know if the Father was pleased with you or not pleased with you, whether you were even a son or a daughter of God anymore. You made it extremely difficult. You probably came through this phase, and I can see three distinct phases I've shared with you before that I've come through. The first stage for the first 30 years of my life was living for Jesus. Every, when you live for Jesus, you want to do everything you can to please him. That brings in a lot of sacrifice. That brings in a lot of, of uh, denying yourself. You want to please him. Everything you do, you want to make sure that it pleases him. Then when I got over among the charismatics, especially the Word of Faith people, it was all about Christ living through us. Again, it turned into a lot of work because if he's going to live through you, you want to make sure that the vessel's clean, that it's pure, uh, that it's as perfected as it can be so that he has a good conduit through which to flow. So those first two, first two stages were, were not simplistic. They were very difficult. 
they were very complicated um, and we were open to doing things to try to perfect ourselves. I think that you and I now have come to a place where we're not living for Jesus. He's not living through us, but he's living as us. We're in complete union. There is a oneness now between you and the Father through the Son in the Spirit, the words perichoresis, that we have formed this circle of relationship, face-to-face -face relationship with the Father. So this first Sunday of the year, like I said, I want to talk about something that, you, that has been animated in the church, but I think it's been taken in a wrong way. And I want to put just a little bit different perspective on this, that I think on this first Sunday of the new year, January 1st, that it might help you throughout the year if you can get a grasp of this. Then next Sunday, I'm going to take the flip side of this, and you'll see what I'm talking about in just a minute. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Now remember the simplicity that is in Christ, right? Simplicity that is in Christ. Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to give you some things. This I'm sorry, Matthew 16 and verse 24. I'm going to give you some things this morning that I think you can chew on, and I think it's going to help you get this new year started off right. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says this. How many times you heard this verse taught in church? Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That verse has been used as kind of a stick, a kind of a carrot and stick verse. You know what I mean by that? The carrot is coming after Jesus. We want what we can have by, by pursuing him. And the stick is you got to deny yourself. This is never going to work. If you don't take up your cross and deny yourself. Every religion, every religion that I've ever been associated with, every branch of Christianity, I should say it that way. I've never been, you know, in Buddhism or Hinduism, Confucianism, never been in any of those isms. But every, every, segment of Christianity that I've been associated with, uh, every group, whether it was an Arminian, whether it was Calvinist, Charismatic, uh, Word of Faith, Evangelical, they all used this verse, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, they all used this verse as the basis for a lot of denying yourself, living a, a life of self-denial, a life that needs to cost you something. That if you're going to come after Jesus, it's going to cost you something. And so we need to make the sacrifice. We need to deny ourselves. We need to take up our cross. Never, uh, never appeared to us that maybe our cross was what we're to accomplish on the earth as Jesus did. That it's our mission, our goal. The thing that the Father uh, has given us to complete while we're on the planet. And we looked at it as something that was, that was horrendous, that was terrible, that was not pleasant. Uh, in denying yourself and taking up your cross. And religion used that to bring a lot of false guilt and condemnation into our lives. And it seems like when I went through this, and I, you know, I lived in that a lot of years, just like you did, and it seems like the more that we punished ourselves, the stricter the discipline, the holier we tried to be, uh, especially with church instituted rules. It, it came down to where church instituted rules were the measuring stick of how much you were denying yourself. If you weren't to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every revival meeting, weren't part of a home group, you were not paying a cost. It costs you to be a Jesus follower, don't you know? And it seems like the more, the more we uh, sacrificed, the more we denied ourselves, the more difficult we made it, the more spiritual it seemed to make us feel. In reality, it was just self-righteousness. If I think that denying myself, taking my cross, is where I got to punish myself and beat myself, and I, I feel good about that, there's something perverted about that. When you enjoy the beating, and you you find other ways to sacrifice and deny yourself, and you feel like, man, this is this is what we have to do. And when we picked up that cross, boy, that was that was tough because you needed to drop your comforts. You needed to get rid of all the likes and the enjoyments and only focus in on spiritual disciplines, reading your Bible and praying and, and fasting and all these kind of things because that's that was taking up your cross. That was denying yourself. Can you, re, you know what I'm talking about? Can you relate to that? No wonder young people looked at, at our church and looked at it and said, well, maybe one day when I get older, 
I can, I can enter into that. But right now, I have no interest in all this stuff that you're bringing to the table telling me that I have to undergo and beat myself and sacrifice and pick up a cross and follow Jesus. Now, if, you get it, if you get into that lifestyle, I will assure you that you will find more things. When you accomplish some, you'll find more things that you need to do to deny yourself. And it's all based on this verse, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. We're going to look at that just a little bit different this morning. But if you're, if you're caught up in that, when you were caught up in that life of do, 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 it never got done. There was always something more. Uh, Jesus addressed the guy on that. And I want to I read this for you because I think, again, we've looked at this maybe kind of in the wrong light. Now, just stay with me this morning because I'm going to bring something that's going to blow your mind just a minute. I'm just laying some foundation down here. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16 says this, And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do? What sacrifice should I make? What cross do I need to pick up that I may have eternal life? So right now, right there, the guy tips his hand and says, My whole basis of relationship to you and the Father and the kingdom, I want to know what I have to do. And when you get into that, that do, you're going to... Jesus will give you much more to do. And what Jesus is going to do here is to bring this young man to the end of himself where he finds that he cannot do. He cannot sacrifice. He cannot deny himself enough. So Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one who is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. So the young man said, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch. The young man said, this is where the self-righteousness comes in because we think that we've done all those things. We've accomplished all that. And, he, and the young man said, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? That was the prevalent feeling that I had in my life the whole time that I was denying myself, sacrificing, paying the price to become the best pastor, uh, put, put everything together. And I would, you know, I would, I would give of myself and, you know, I would just say, this is part of what we have to do. This is, this is part of the journey. It wasn't pleasant. I didn't enjoy it at times. Nobody wants to fast. I don't think anybody, you tell me you enjoy fasting, I, something's wrong with you. Every time I fasted, long, I think the longest I fasted was 14 days. The, every time I would fast, every billboard I drove by had a Big Mac on it, had a pizza. It was, it was a constant battle. We said, well, that's spiritual warfare. Devil's trying to tempt me to get away from it. Well, maybe something else was working, trying to show me that what I was doing to try to accomplish something was not beneficial. So Jesus said, okay, you want to do? You want to do? I'll give you something to do. He said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Do this one. Now, the problem is this guy had a lot, and he finally reached a level of denial and sacrifice that he was not willing to keep. And Jesus was, was trying to bring him to the end of himself. Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel that were all law-oriented, and every time he was addressing them, he was trying to bring them to the end of their due to recognize the fact that they could not achieve righteousness, they could not achieve perfection on their own. So the young man failed. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I will assure you, the next morning when that young man woke up, he felt guilty. He felt condemned. He felt like he failed because there was something to do that he couldn't, that he couldn't match. He couldn't, he couldn't live up to. That, that, that's pretty amazing when, when, you, when you think about it. So that's, that, that's a case there, I think, where, where Jesus is trying to tell us, look, um, this is not what I'm after. This is not what I'm after. Now, the book of Acts, they did this. They sold everything that they possessed, but there's a reason for that. In that culture, in that day, they were going to be overrun by the Roman Empire in 70 AD. They were going to lose everything anyway. So the best thing they could do is get rid of it, palm it off, get some cash, and, and do what they did in Acts chapter 2. That's not, that's not an example or a prototype of what we need to do.
Is this really what Jesus taught? Was Jesus really teaching us that we have to we have to whip ourselves, we have to crawl across glass, <laughs> bare need in order to please him, that we got to deny ourselves? Doesn't seem to line up with what Jesus said. Jesus said, for example, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, your father knows all these things that you need even before you ask it. He said, come to me that your joy might be full. I kind of like this life Jesus is laying out. He said, the father himself loves you. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. That doesn't sound like you better give it all up. You better throw it all down. You better sacrifice. You better deny yourself. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Paul said, my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It seems like Jesus and Paul were saying, look, there is an abundant life that you can live. It doesn't appear that Jesus or Paul meant that to be like Jesus or to be a Jesus follower entailed a life that was intended to go without. And that's what we've made denial. We've made denial picking up your cross that you got to clear the board and you got to go without. And if you don't enjoy that journey, if you don't enjoy the torture, if you don't enjoy the sacrifice, something's wrong with you. Why did we think that? What, what ever entered into us? The things that I just read where Jesus said and Paul said align nothing with how we have religiously interpreted Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Why did we think that? Why did we think we had to subject ourselves to a life of trying to be religious and to do deeds that would please Jesus? Oftentimes, because we're stuck back in that first phase, living for Jesus. I think every good Baptist, every good charismatic is still in that first step. Some of the charismatics moved over into the second step where he's trying to live through you, and they're, but they're still flushing out and they're still sacrificing, still denying themselves. Why did we ever think we had to do those things to feel, feel spiritual, to attain worthiness, for God to look at us on, uh, with favor and to, and to give us grace? I want to go back and look at that verse from Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Let's go back and look at that. And let's, let's see if we can determine what Jesus was really saying to us. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The word deny has two meanings. We've taken it as, as one meaning in, in religious circles, and I'm not sure that's what Jesus was after. I'm just bringing something to the table today and see, see if it resonates. If it doesn't resonate and you think that he's talking about selling your car and giving the money away and giving your house away and fasting for 40 days, and if you think that's what he's getting at, then stay there. But I, what I feel, what I see in this verse is something entirely different. Now, there's two ways to look at the, verse, at the word denial. You can look at it one way as we did, which means to withhold from, like denying food when you're hungry or shelter in a storm. It, it means to do without something, to go without something. That, that's one form of deny. But I believe there's, a, there's another, I know there's another definition to denial or deny. And in Matthew chapter 10, back up just a little bit to your left, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says something. Again, this has, this has driven uh, church folk crazy. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him also I will confess before my Father which is in heaven. That word confess means to agree with. Whoever agrees with me, I will agree with him before the Father. But verse 33, whosoever denies me before men, him also I will deny my father who is in heaven. Now, I want to look at a guy that denied Jesus three times before men, Peter. And what, what did, what did, how did Jesus handle the denial of Peter after the resurrection in John chapter uh, 21, verse 16? The man that denied Jesus three times before people, Jesus encounters him and says, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know I love you. He goes three times. He said, all right, I want you to feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You know what Jesus was doing? This is, he, was, he was, in effect, 
denying Peter's denial. There were a lot of people that denied Jesus before him, including the 12 disciples. Every, all the soldiers, everybody that sentenced Jesus to be crucified were in fact denying him before men. And what was Jesus' response to their denial? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. A couple of weeks ago, I was visiting with, with Francois Dutoy, who's working on Matthew uh, in the Mirror Bible. And we were talking about this verse. And, and Francois said this. He said, actually, what that verse, if you break it down, Jesus is saying, whoever denies me before men, I will deny his denial before the Father. And I think that's what that word deny is referring to. It means to declare to not be true. That's the second definition of denial, to declare something to not be true, to repudiate is absolutely false. Jesus is saying, if you agree with me before men, I'm going to agree with you what you said before the Father. But if you deny me, I'm going to deny your denial. I'm going to say what you said was absolutely false, and I, re I, I repudiate it, and I'm not going to even consider it just like I didn't with Peter. When he denied me three times, he became the, the rock. He became the foundation of the church. Catholics would say he was the first pope. So here we have a guy, he did not deny Peter before the Father. In fact, he empowered Peter. He denied Peter's denial. For example, if there was a knock on your door tonight and the police were there and they said, you're under arrest for robbing the first national bank down at the corner, you would say, I didn't do that. I, I deny that. I deny those charges. I'm not guilty. I deny it. What would you be doing? You'd be reputing. You'd be saying those charges against me are not true. Those charges are not valid. And that's what, that's what Jesus does before the Father because we all on some level have denied him. Come on, let's be honest. On some level, we have denied the finished work of the cross by our actions, our attitudes, our belief system. We've denied the magnanimous love that he demonstrated for us. We felt we had to earn it. That's denying him. Jesus said, I'm going to deny that denial. I, I'm going to say that's absolutely not true. Listen closely. To deny yourself is not to withhold comfort. To deny yourself is not to withhold happiness, much less to torture yourself in the name of holiness. To deny yourself is to deny anything that would come into your mind and tell you you are not who the Father says you are. That's how you deny yourself. When something enters your mind, you, de you deny that claim as false. You repudiate it. You say that it's not valid as much as you deny the charges of robbing the bank down the street. Jesus' message to the worn out, to the weary, to the tired, to the one that is totally exasperated is not, you better deny yourself. You better go into a period of prayer and fasting. You better shut your TV off and never look at another prayer. You need to get your Bible out and you need to read uh, two chapters from the old, a chapter from a new, three Psalms and a proverb every day so you can read the whole book in a year. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, in fact, to those that are weary and heavy laden, come to me because my burden is light. My yoke is easy. He's not saying you have to sacrifice more and more when you when when things push against you. Most of the Christians that I know, the church that I, you know, I had people in the church I pastored that if difficulties came, they immediately fasted. I'm not against fasting. You want to deny yourself food? Jesus said you fast when you don't have the bride. We've got the bridegroom. We have the bridegroom. So I'm not fasting is no longer part of my 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 procedures, my spiritual life. It's no, not, no longer something I use to try to persuade God of what I'm fasting about or to see a miracle. Does fasting have value? It might have some physical value. I don't know. It could have. But I, I seriously doubt that it has great spiritual value unless you are trying to uh, subdue your flesh over something. Then it might, there, I can see where there might be some advantages if you're addicted to drinking Coca-Colas and you say, look, I'm going to, cut back on my coke consumption I'm gonna you know I'm gonna rid myself of that habit I can see I can see that you might fast some coca-colas but 
when I was a pastor, we used to go through 40 days of fasting toward Easter, that Advent season. We'd all fast something. You know, some, some people would fast chicken livers. That's not much of a fast, is it? I remember one year I fasted coffee. Went, went without coffee for 40 days. That was, I didn't drive through the Starbucks lane. Didn't make any coffee at home. I don't think God was sitting on his throne just with a big old smile on his face saying, I am so impressed by Don Keithley fasting 40 days of coffee. My goodness, what a sacrifice he's making. How much he must love me. The whole thing's not about how much we love him. It's how much he loves us and we respond to that love. We love him because he first loved us. We didn't choose him, he chose us. We're responders in that relationship. We're not initiators. And most of the spiritual disciplines and exercises that we do are trying to initiate some kind of action so that God will see things your way and do what you feel needs to be done when it needs to be done. So when you're weary and heavy laden, the message from Jesus is not go fast, not go torture yourself, deny yourself. It's come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. My, here's what I want you to do. The first of the new year, I think we need to reverse the course on this deny thing. If it's still part of your Christian repertoire of spirituality, I challenge you to consider what deny really means. When forces oppose you and things seem contrary, you deny their validity to rob you of your identity in Christ. When your checkbook reads zero, you deny the ability of that checkbook to rule your life. If we have believed something is wrong, like denying yourself, I think this is wrong the way we've interpreted it. Then the first step is to right the wrong. It's to repent, it's change our mind. I'm bringing you a message, a teaching this morning that's challenging you to change your mind. If you have viewed this denying in a wrong way, if you've been afraid, man, if I, we view, I use that verse, if we deny him before many, he denies before the Father, you better witness. You better win people to Jesus. Because if you don't, you're denying him before men. He's going to deny you before the Father. You see, that creates fear. That creates condemnation and guilt. That's not what that verse is all about. We have believed wrong about God. We've believed wrong about ourselves. So we need to deny or contradict, count as not valid, things that we, we thought were wrong. For example, we believed God was angry. I need, to, I need to deny that. He's not angry. We believe that we are sinners who should be afraid of love himself. I, I deny that. I'm not afraid of pure love. Pure love casts out all fear. We've believed that sickness and poverty, how about this one in the, that's been ingrained into many of us. We believe that sickness and poverty and disease, all manner of evil, were things that were rained down on us by the Father to humble us. So when those things were raining down on us, we would become very humble and we would fast and we would seek the face of God and we would cry out for Him to come to be where we are and to meet our need. I deny all that religiosity. He's never left you, never forsaken you. He resides within you 24-7, 365. As we head into 2023, I want you to be aware of that. Anything that comes against you to tell you he's not with you, he's not resident within you, the kingdom is not within you, deny it. Contradict it. Say that it is not so. These things are all false, entirely false. So the first step to getting free of this religiously placed heavy burden of self-denial, taking up your cross, is to repent of it. Say, I... I misjudge that. That's not what it's talking. That's not what he means. We deny this wrong perception. That's what denial means. That's that's the definition that we're putting on that. We are we are denying its validity to sway us. See, denial is the first practical step. Listen to me. Denial is the first practical step to wipe clean our minds and its mistakes that have been ingrained within us, that created belief systems that were absolutely false. And by denial, I mean declaring not true. The lie that we were told was true. I deny the reality of eternal conscious torment. I don't even consider that anymore. It's not even part of my thought process. I deny it. 
I, I deny that I that I am unrighteous. I deny that I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I deny that I am a wretch that needed grace. I deny the power of darkness to have any influence or any sway over my life or my family's life. I deny that. Jesus said something very interesting in John chapter 7. By now, I think you know that I love the book of John. John had such good insights. I, I love, you know, one of the things I like about John is his boldness. He said, I am the disciple that Jesus loves. And the only place that's recorded is in John. And that's what John said. I love that. That should be, see, I'm not going to deny that. I am the apple of his eye. I'm the, I'm the, the son that he's pleased with today. I'm not going to deny that. It's true. And I don't have to try to deny myself or take up my cross to prove its validity. It is already a fact. John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says this, Don't judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. See, the appearance that our bodies and circumstances control our thoughts is wrong. I deny that. We deny that. In fact, the opposite is true. The thoughts that we have control our body and our circumstances. If you don't like the way your life is going, then deny those things that are creating the environment, the perception that you don't wish to live in. I've almost come to the conclusion that some people enjoy the attention they get. They never come out of the pit. And I've seen this on the Don Keithley ministry page. There are certain people that since the time they've come on the page and been part of the ministry, all they talk about is all the problems, all the negativity, why they, can't, why they can't rise up. Finally, one lady, I just had to comment. I said, look, as long as you're going to keep this perception, life's never going to change. And she said, well, you don't realize how hard I've got it. It's not easy. I didn't, and I said, I didn't say it'd be easy, but you can control the words of your mouth. And rather than saying that you are poor and broke and destitute and you're worried about your family, hop on if you begin, and I'm, I'm going to talk next week about affirmations. This week I'm talking about denials. Because I want us to commit to 2023 knowing what to deny and what to affirm. I want it to be firmly fixed within us. And the denial, the denials have to do with anything that would erode your consciousness, your Christ consciousness, anything that would come in and try to stymie your spiritual growth of who you are. Here's what I have found. And I probably many of you have too. If you repeatedly deny a false or an unhappy condition, over time it loses its power and it doesn't harass you anymore. Intellectually, we may see that we're sons. Intellectually, we may grasp that we're joint heirs and partakers of the divine nature. However, we need to be conscious of our oneness and deny anything that would erode that oneness. Are you listening to me? Even some of us that are old timers in all of this and we're grasping and we're growing in so many things, there are still times that your head tries to mess with you. And we need to catch that. As we come into 2023, I want us to catch immediately those thoughts. You can't stop thoughts from coming into your head, but you can stop from pondering and thinking about them. You can stop from giving them place. All right? I, I think there are some errors that we all need to deny as being invalid. See, let me just say this for, I, I'm gonna give you three things that I want you to really deny this year. But in order to realize the denying of ourself, we need to deny the invalid, invalidness of appearances. See, appearances is what tries to control us. We need to deny the appearance and the circumstance that oppose us, we deny their reality. Now, does that mean that they're not there? Absolutely not. So I'm, let me just get into this a little bit. Let me just take it down a layer. I think there are three errors that are common to everybody that, that have been granted power by us. In and of themselves, they have no power. They have been granted power by us. And so I want us to deny these thoughts and to cleanse our minds of them. I want us to flush them out at the start of this new year. Are, are you with me? Can, can you go along? Can you strip these things of their given power? Deny them. Deny their ability. Things that we can deny like this. Let's deny that there is a powerful evil at work. I deny it. I, I know this disturbs people. 
It's because when we look around, we see evil. It is a fact. I cannot deny that. I cannot deny that evil is a fact. And I'm not trying to deny the fact. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. I want us to deny the validity of any powerful force to control you. Colossians 2.13 says this, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses. That was totally his action. That's where you're sitting today. All right? Now, verse 14, He wiped out all handwriting of requirements that was against us, everything that we thought we need to deny ourselves. All those, all those rules, those laws, those regulations, those stipulations, he wiped them away. Everything that was contrary to us, he took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Then he disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let me drop down to verse 20. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as through living in the world do you subject yourself to the regulations? What? do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. He just got done in verses in verses um, 13 to 15 to telling us all that stuff was taken out of the way. You don't have to deny yourself of that. So he said, now that that's happened, that principalities and powers have been totally disarmed, he made a public spectacle of them. Why are you now subjecting and denying yourself, self-sacrificing, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. God never, God never told us to do those things. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but they're not of any value against the indulgence of the flesh. In fact, my observation is the more you beat your flesh, the more you try to make your body submit through discipline and hardcore denial, the stronger that flesh gets. Whatever you fight gets stronger. He's telling us in verse 15 to 18, don't fight this stuff, it's already been defeated. Why, Why are we acknowledging it? Why are we resurrecting that which has been killed? Now the fact is, there is an appearance of evil. I won't deny that. I look around the world, I can see evil as much as you do. It appears. The fact is there appears to be evil. But the truth is this. The truth is there's only one power. And that power, the only power there is, is God, which is a good power. Here's what I want you to grasp. And this is going to help you in denial. If you can get this, you're on the right road here. Truth trumps fact. I want that sink in a minute. Truth trumps fact. For example, the fact is you may be sick. I can't deny that. I've watched people go through horrendous sickness. That's a fact. That's a fact. The truth is you were healed at the cross. So what we're going to do is we're going to deny the facts and we're going to embrace the truth. I told you that I told you that anything that comes against you to try to try to wear you down, dissuade you, talk you out of who you are, you need to deny. And what usually comes against us are these facts. And you can't say they're not there, they are there. But they don't invalidate the truth. So now I've got fact and truth. Which one, which one am I going to focus on? Which one am I, if you if you accept the fact, you're denying the truth. Do you see that? If you accept the fact. Fact is you're broke. Checkbook says zero. Truth is my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now which one are you going to deny? I've heard people, I've heard people uh, confess my God shall meet all of my needs according to the riches and glory. But where, they're, but where they're focused on is the fact that their checkbook is zero. However, if you're starting out in this new year and there seems to be facts that are opposing you, I want you to know what the truth is and then deny the fact and concentrate, focus, keep your confession, your affirmation on the truth. See if you can follow this. Evil is just the absence of good. When good, when good vacates, evil comes in. 
right? When, when good goes, evil gets a footing. Darkness, darkness, darkness is no entity. What darkness is, is simply a lack of light. When light comes in, darkness automatically goes. I don't care how dim the light is, it cannot, the darkness cannot overcome the light. That's what it tells us in, in John chapter one. Darkness cannot overcome the light. Darkness could, you look outside, it's pitch black. The fact is it's dark, but the truth is there's an absence of light. That dark has no power. That dark has no strength. It's an absence of light. Just like it appears that the sun moves across the sky every day. Truth is, sun doesn't move. The earth is rotating. The earth is the one that is moving. Kate, are you following me on this? So when it comes into this idea of denial, we need to see, Jesus said, Jesus exercised it. If you deny him before men like Peter did, you know what he's going to do? Because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It was the Father's choice before the foundation of the world that you would appear before him blameless and spotless. So anything that you say that would, that would contradict that, Jesus is going to deny. He's going to say, that's not true. What that guy say is not true. And he's going to stand before the Father and say, that. That's not true. Here's how you see him. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. And the Father and the Son embrace the truth. So coming into 2023, I hope I'm getting through this morning. 2023, we live by the truth and we deny facts that would try to stop the truth. We deny them. That's, that's what denial means. It means you, you, you count it of no value, you repudiate it. It has no force, no power to it. The, the, the truth is, you don't have to fully understand evil to deny it. You put into practice your denial of power over you. You don't have to understand why this evil, it appears, is taking on a life against me. And when you begin to deny it, you're going you're gonna to be amazed how fast the so-called evils of life are no longer there. Because you're shining the light on that darkness. Your denial of its power over you is bringing light to it. See, and your days of shadow boxing with the devil are over. That's all you've been doing is shadow boxing. When you, when you shine the light on the shadow that you've been boxing, the shadow disappears. All right, let's deny this. Number two. Let's deny that there's an absence of life or intelligence anywhere. We... Our God is omnipresent and omniscient. There is no place that there is not life and intelligence and wisdom. The mind of Christ, which you possess, is good at every situation. So here again, what, what do we deny? We deny the appearances. Second, what is it? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, We look not at the things which appear, but to things that do not appear. Because the things that appear are temporary, they're temporal, but the things which you cannot see are eternal. So it may appear in a situation that there is no life. It may appear in a, in a situation where there's no intelligence or no way out. You can't solve this. But you're not looking at that. You're looking at the invisible where there is no lack of life or intelligence. So again, as we come into 2023 and you're in a place and you feel barren, you feel, man, lifeless, you feel, it's because you're looking at the surrounding uh, circumstances, at the appearances, and you need to pull back. You're far enough along, you're far enough along spiritually that you now can see in the spirit the reality of what takes place. And that thing that you're looking at that seems lifeless, it's going to change. It's subject to change. It's temporary. It's like the stock market. One day it's up, one day it's down. If you lived every day dependent on how the stock market was doing, you'd, you'd live a life that was totally a, an emotional wreck. And some people do. You look at it in the long trend. And I'm not giving you stock advice, but I think history repeats. History would prove that over a long trend, the stock market gains. So what we want to do is get a long view in the kingdom. Yeah, these, these little circumstances come up. They try to impede us, but we look in the spirit where there's no absence of life and there's no absence of intelligence. See, that what you can't see, that's where life exists. That's where immortality is. It's just behind that veil. And that veil is getting thinner and thinner and thinner because we're seeing the merging of two, of two dimensions. We're seeing heaven invade earth. We're seeing earth now take on the characteristics of heaven. 
So you, here's what I'm saying. You break your bondage to physical appearances and material conditions. When you can do that, you're going to really sense a freedom in your life. When those things no longer control you, when your focus is not on them. All right, number three. Let's deny that there is something in the universe to fear. Fear plays such a big part in the lives of people, and, and religion has, has you know, fed that flame of fear until it, it's a raging fire. And John handled that in 1 John chapter uh, 4 and verse 4. Look what, look what he says here. I could quote it for you, but I like to read it, and so you can underline it. Hope you have your Bible and follow along. You know, I know I'm old-fashioned. I still read out of my Bible. I, I was teaching at a large church a couple of years ago, and, you know, everything's on screens and on their computers. And so I got up to teach. I had my Bible, and the pastor said, Are you serious? You still carry a Bible around? I said, I absolutely do. I'm, I'm, that's the way I'm comfortable. There's nothing to fear in the universe. There's no gigantic something out there that you need to feel insecure or fearful. John said this, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So the one that is in you is greater than anything in the world. And John went on to say that perfect love casts out fear. If you have fear in an area, I used to have a lady in my church that was fear, fearful of flying. Now get this, she worked for United Airlines. She, she wasn't a, a stewardess, she was a ticket agent. But she was fearful of flying. And where, where you're fearful, this is a hard pill to swallow, fear is basically selfishness. Fear is, I'm afraid what's gonna to happen to me. So I get in that plane, I'm fearful what's gonna to happen to me. That's selfish, see, you're, you're, you got you on your hands. So what he's, what he's saying is, uh, there is there is no love, there is no fear of love. Perfect love casts out fear. He's, he's saying the one that is in you is one is greater than anything in the world. There's nothing out there to fear. See, denial brings freedom. When you deny the, 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 the denial that's coming at you, see, deny it. That's what Jesus did. When a denial comes from him, from somebody, he denies it. When fear comes at you to deny your position, deny it. You deny the denial. That's how Jesus handled it, right? This might be a good day. This first part of the year might be a good day to just adjust our denials. If I could get you at the digital the cathedral to stop thinking that denial is sacrificial, lay, lay down your life, um, you know, Force yourself to go without. That's not what Jesus taught. It's not what Paul taught at all. Have you lived your life denying the wrong things? Have you lived your life denying, for example, your ability to succeed? You said, I, I can't succeed. I can't make it. You're denying. You're denying what the Father has sent you here to do. Have you been denying your health? I'm just sick. I'm always sick. Have you been denying your health? You need to deny your sickness. Yes, the fact is you might be sick. Deny its right to inhabit you. Begin to confess and affirm your healing. And I will, I'm going to get into affirmations next week because I think it's really important that you're fixed on what to deny and what to affirm. See, these things paralyze you. And they empower that which has no power. We empower the darkness. We empower the evil. We empower those things that would come to deny us and mock us. Next week, I'm going to talk about affirmations, which are the opposite of denials. And so what we're talking about these first couple of weeks as we get into the new year, what we're really talking about is entering into a more spiritual way of life this year. We're, see, I'm getting you to exercise spiritual, spiritual power and spiritual force this morning. When you discern what is trying to oppose you and you deny it, don't give it power. Don't give it place. Practicing denials. And the next week, affirmations that we're going to get into are going to set you on a good plan for this coming year. Now, let me remind you of something. I have a conference coming up that I would like every person at the Digital Cathedral to register for. It's called Journey One. You can see on the Don Keithley ministry page or my private page. Actually, I'll put the link. I want you to, it's a Zoom conference. You don't have to buy a plane ticket, a hotel, food, car rental. It's just one little small fee to cover the expenses and the people that are involved in this. But we're, I'm, I'm working with Malcolm Smith and Steve McVeigh. 
two, two dynamite guys. And we're gonna put on something the 20th and 21st of January that I think is gonna help you and enrich your life. I don't recommend many things. And I do conferences around, I don't even say anything about it. But this one, I think is a special one. We're talking about three men that have 175 years of ministry experience. All came from different backgrounds. And we're gonna talk about the journey. It's called Journey One. And I hope that at a point in the future, maybe six months, we do Journey Two, Journey Three, Journey Four. Journey One, the first journey is into the spirit how we arrived at where we're, where we're at and where we're going because where we're going is where you're going to. So go over and register for that conference. Would you do that journey one? I'll put a link on the comments where you can enroll and uh, get set up on that conference. I hope, I hope you listen to me. All right, I think that's where we're stopping this morning. We're 50 minutes in, that's long enough. Uh, deny your denials when things come at you don't let them invade your life you have the ability to shut them off at the past and not empower them god bless you see you wednesday night at the secret place and back next sunday morning as we're going to flip the coin and talk about those things that we need to affirm and let have full sway in our life god bless have a wonderful new year's day